Hey, Warners, welcome to another episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. I'm Gina Tremarco, Master Sales Trainer at Sales Gravy. And today I'm super excited about a rock star guest that I have on here today, Mr. Ryan Serhan. And if you don't know who he is, let me just give you a quick bio. And of course, you can read this in the show notes. But Ryan Serhan is a founder, entrepreneur, producer, public speaker, best-selling author, star of multiple TV shows, and chief executive officer of Serhant, the rapidly growing tech-forward real estate organization comprised of two core businesses, brokerage and education. That's just a quick synopsis into who he is. I watch him on Million Dollar Listing New York. I'm a little obsessed with the show. So, of course, I was super stoked. I was like, yeah, I would love to have Ryan on the show. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Super excited to be here. I was telling your agency that the thing that always pops out in my head about you, probably because of the world I'm in or come from, is yeah. when you took an improv class. Always. I mean, I took improv classes when I was when I was growing up and through school, and it was it was accidental sales training. Who knew? Yes, yes. Which is a perfect segue into your background because I've got some very serious beliefs about creatives and how successful creatives can be in the sales space. And I look back at your bio going back to 2008, becoming an agent in 2008 when everything was crashing. And the irony is I started an improv comedy theater in 2008 in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And everyone said to me, I was crazy. Yeah to be doing that. And I think you've experienced some of that, but walk us through a little bit about 2008. And you went from being an actor to, I think I'll go into real estate. <laughs> it's exactly, you know, in hindsight, all of those decisions seem super quick and simple. And then I did this and it was around this year that this happened. I moved to New York city after college in 2006. And the only thing that I was ever okay at Right. The one thing that I actually had a passion for and actually liked was theater, was acting. You know, I wanted to be on stage, short films, movies, TV, any of that. That's what I connected to the most. And so I gave myself two years in New York City. It was a deal with my parents, too, because they were terrified about me moving to New York in the city with no job. You know, construction and, you know, yard cleanup money saved up in the savings account, like you know, just eating into savings, right? If you have no income coming in, you're sitting there. It's only a matter of time before you you move or you have to get a survival job. But I, you know, I spent my entire life on stage, you know, every show, I mean, anything you can possibly think of, musicals, you know, straight drama. And I really found a connection to comedy. I think because you can see a real interaction with the audience through comedy. And, you know, it, it it was a form of acceptance for me. And so with improv, right, it really taught me to think on my feet. At the time, you know, when I'm 12 and then 16 and then 19 and 21, doing improv classes and improv study, you don't actually think about what the benefits of improv are going to be for your life. You just think, okay, I'm in improv. I've got to figure out why I'm a dog on the moon on fire (laughs) and try to find the biggest laugh. Uh But what I was really doing that entire time was building human psychology muscle memory really teaching myself how to listen, right? I think the number one sales skill most people don't have is the ability to listen to respond instead of just listening to reply, Yeah, which is what most people do, especially today, because we're all more comfortable texting than we are actually talking to anybody. 
And so, you know, I came to New York City, had little success with some, you know, stage things, some regional theater. I got onto a soap opera. I was promptly killed off the soap opera, <laughs> took a syringe to the heart on the top of a, ho of a hospital as I was awaiting my helicopter to take me to the Caribbean where I could do my research in peace. And then my grandmother killed me, Lucinda Walsh, As the World Turns, for anyone who remembers. Okay, that. I was going to ask you what show it was. As the World Turns, I was Dr. Evan Walsh the fourth. <laughs> my claim to fame. I actually made more money those two years, not from the soap, but from, uh, I have very pretty hands. I saw uh, my, that. <laughs> my parents had me play piano a lot, you know, and so I, when I was a little kid, and so I have like, I don't have like freakishly long fingers, but I have, I don't have any marks on my hands. And so I, I hand modeled like a champ. Like I was, I, if in between 2006 and 2009, if you saw iPhones, Nespresso capsules, watches, <laughs> stand-ins, like if you saw a guy's hand somewhere, there was a good chance that they were mine. <laughs> and so that really helped me pay the bills, but there's only so many hand jobs you can do. And so I had to eventually get a job, right? I had to eventually get a job and I ran out of money, uh, basically. And so a friend just said, listen, don't become a waiter. Don't become a bartender. Don't do any of that because Look, see that person over there? He's 50 years old. He's still doing that survival job trying to make it in New York City. And you get used to the comfort. All of a sudden, you know, you have a job that pays you some money. Next thing you know, 10 years go by. And you are just doing the same thing, paying your rent, trying to figure things out, right? So you got to keep yourself uncomfortable. So get your real estate license. It's the same thing as acting. You memorize information about buildings, neighborhoods, restaurants, people. You adapt to different people's personalities. You meet them on the corner and you say, yes, and. Yes, you're looking for a two-bedroom and, okay, great, let's go, right? Just know your stuff, know your information and just move, move, and you get paid for that. You don't get paid by the hour, right? You only get paid if something happens successfully. Right. But I had spent two years you know, in the city with no job, waking up every day really early, submitting headshots, submitting resumes, going out to actors' equity auditions, like putting myself out there, getting rejected to my face because of my face, you know, getting rejected because of my hair. You know, I'm, I started going gray when I was 16. That's not great when you're trying to, you know, be an actor in New York City and you're 22, you know, yeah. gray hair. So, okay, now I got to dye my hair, all that stuff. It's very personal. And so I got my license. And it was like the absolute last thing in the world I ever wanted to do. Like become a realtor. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ugh. Like what a failure. Terrible. <laughs> so I was so I was embarrassed. I didn't want to tell anybody. I just I was just like, okay. So my friend, you know, would rent a couple apartments a month. And he had a he had an apartment with a doorman. You know, he had a gym. Like he had suits. Like he wasn't nervous about money. I mean, maybe he was in his own way, but higher quality problems. I, I needed to make $2,000 a month. That was my goal. However, I can make $2,000 a month and then control the rest of my day and the rest of my schedule so I can still do auditions and do what I really want to do, then great. If I could rent an apartment for $4,000 a month and get a commission of 2,000 bucks, I'll deal with taxes later, but boom, I'm good. I'm done in one day. I now got 29 to 30 days left to really make a difference in what I really wanted to do. Except the problem was my first day was the day Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. And so, you know, timing is a funny thing. I had no money, so it wasn't like the world was over for me. I didn't have any fixed in, you know, budgets. I didn't have any overhead. I just had my rent and food. And so it was actually great timing, 
but it was an incredibly difficult time to get into the business in New York City. And I just thought everyone got fired all the time. I'd like, I'd meet a client and they get laid off. I was like, man, the corporate world after college is just tough. <laughs> it is brutal. You know, people were destitute, losing jobs. It was like a whole, it was a whole thing. And then I did my first rental deal, made like $500, you know, in Koreatown. And I didn't have to do a whole lot. I just had to be nice to the people, walk them through the process, help them fill out an application, which, you know, I'd done because I'd moved around New York already. And I made a couple hundred bucks. It's like, oh, okay, all right. This might be better than hand modeling. And then the next day made like a thousand dollars taking out another rental client. It's like, wait a minute, I could just meet people on the street, help them buy or sell or rent. I wasn't even thinking about buying and selling, just, you know, rent, find apartments to rent and they'll pay a commission for that. I'm going to do this every day <laughs> and slowly, but surely, you know, it wasn't overnight, but slowly, but surely my thought process just changed. And I started focusing more and more on real estate because I had more control than less on, on acting, you know? And I think most people get into real estate coming out of, you know, a regular job. They get a W2, nine to five, and then they get into real estate to have more freedom. For me, getting into real estate was about having actual control. Like it wasn't about having freedom as much as it was at least I can control how many people I reach out to, how many people I talk to. If someone doesn't take an apartment from me, then it's not going to be because of my hair. At least I don't think so. Right. So it'll be because I don't know, they took from somebody else or they didn't like it or who knows the pressures will just be on me. And so that, that's kind of how I got started into the business. And I didn't really start to take it seriously for about another year. Still, I was still hand modeling. I was still <laughs> trying to act, doing little like films and stuff, you know, from the end of 2008 to early 2009. It wasn't until like the fall of 2009 that I, I really started to get like listings. It's like, okay, I could, I think I could be happier in this type of career. Maybe I'll just put acting on the side for right now. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting to think about the actor mindset. I went through something similar, but I didn't wait it out too long because I was from Chicago, living in Chicago. My major was in communications and radio, TV, film. I was studying at Second City and I would go around. I gave up pretty early, I have to say. Like trying to get an agent was super hard because every agency I would walk into, exactly what you're saying, you're too this, you're too that, you're too that. I mean, at one point somebody said, you're too ethnic looking. I'm like, how am I too ethnic looking? Right? I wasn't the blonde girl, the ne the girl next door yeah, with sure. blonde hair, right? So, so getting commercial work was gonna be impossible, which was most of the work in Chicago. And I'm like, I wanna put food on the table. I was living on my own. I didn't have any support or a net of any kind. I'm like, this is hard stuff, right? But I think yeah. actors get so conditioned for the rejection, which makes them also good salespeople. Even if they don't have the improv background, you get rejected over and over again. It's just part of the territory. Yeah, and you develop a thick skin. Look, most people who get into sales get out of the business in the first year because they think they wanna have all the reward, all the freedom, make as much money as you want, no caps, but then they actually don't. They're not fit for it, right? Yeah. They wanna be told what to do. We are all creatures of habit. As much as you want to be an entrepreneur, which is really what being in sales is, waking up and grinding every day, 95% of the population actually doesn't want to be an entrepreneur. You just want to be told what to do. You just want to get a check. You want to go home. Yeah. 
right? That's what most yeah. people want to do. And it's tough, especially when you get into sales and then you realize how people really are, right? Which is no one likes confrontation. So everyone just really likes lying. Everyone <laughs> lies to you. I mean, I've had grandmothers lie to my face to save a thousand dollars. Like, you know, people, especially in New York City, they'll lie to the face of baby Jesus <laughs> to save money. And so you're like, okay, got it. I thought people were great. I was an actor. Yay. Everyone's awesome. Awesome. I get into real estate. I mean, I remember because I started at the end of 2008, you know, it's like Ryan, the, you know, the student growing up and then Thanksgiving, 2009, I'm at home, you know, with my brothers, I've got two brothers and my parents. And I remember, I just have this distinct core memory now of like dad asking me about, you know, something I was working on. Because, you know, Ryan was kind of like the black sheep, right? My whole family's in finance. And then Ryan's like going to New York City to, you know, do theater, which basically meant prostitution. And <laughs> now he's doing this real estate brokerage thing, but you're not actually selling home. You're renting them in Koreatown in the Bronx. <laughs> like, okay, like Ryan's the one we're going to have to worry about and like try to help. And I remember talking and telling them about a deal I was working on. And like five minutes into the story, my whole family's just staring at me. And my little brother's like, dude, you're different now. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's like, you talk so fast now. What happened to you? Like, I don't talk fast. You talk slow. What happened to you? You're like, you should, I think New York has changed you. I'm like, New York hasn't changed me. New York's changed you, bro. What? I'm not even part of this family anymore. Like, it was like, oh, and at that moment, I was like, man, I am, you're all products of our environment. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're from Houston originally, right? Yeah, I was born in Houston, bounced around Texas a little bit, then Long Island, then settled down for, you know, elementary school and in high school outside Boston. Okay. Okay. Yeah, there's something about living in a bigger city where you talk super fast. When I moved to, from Chicago to South Carolina, people had to literally go, stop. You have to slow down. You have to slow down and start mirroring people, especially in the South when you're a transplant. Um, so fast forward to 2020. So we go from the 2008 crash to COVID and you started up Sirhan in, was it 2018 or right before 2020? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So real estate started to work for me, you know, and in, in, again, everything in hindsight's 2020. So, you know, obviously there were tough months, tough quarters, tough years in the business, but you know, I always did a little bit better and a little bit better. And I was learning a lot. And I really liked the idea of building. Like in sales, and especially in real estate sales, you can build whatever you want. You want to build a thousand person team and you can maintain that, go for it. If you want to just do one-offs and sell one house a year, go for it. No one's ever going to tell you sold too much or you sold too little. So you are really the maker of your own destiny. And that really clicked with me. And I think from all the theater training and improv training, I was able to basically be a chameleon with people. Yeah. Right. If I was with someone, a real aggressive Upper East Sider, I could counter that. If I was with someone really relaxed and chill and wanted to look at Tribeca lofts, I could counter that. Mm -hmm. I was someone who was trying to put two cents together, you know, in, in East New York. You know what? I could counter that. I'm going to help you. I'm going to figure it out. And really learning how to use vocal inflections, yes. right? matching people, yeah. understanding empathy and perspective, and really selling through enthusiasm really helped me build my career. Obviously, most people know me from Million Dollar Listing New York. That started in, I auditioned for that show 
So I started taking real estate seriously at the end of 2009, March of 2010, a casting notice goes out and I saw it and was like, interesting reality TV. That seems stupid, uh, but you know, I've been in front of the camera before. I know how to do that and real estate. That's interesting. And so I just went to an open casting call, not thinking anything. 3,000 New York City realtors showed up as bananas. And by the end of 2009, they had whittled us down to four and cast four of us on that first season of Million Dollar List in New York. We, we started filming at the end of 2010. Only three of us made the final cut. And that first season aired in March of 2012. You know, coming up on our 11 year anniversary here. It's yeah. mind blowing to me how time flies. And, and I used that show as a door opener, right? The minute I had it, it's like, I'm not just going to wait. No way. I've picked up the phone and, you know, taken initiative my whole life. And so now I have a TV show. If NBC Universal, which owns Bravo, if they approved me as one of the greatest real estate agents in New York City, somehow, some way, I just got into this. And guess what? You can too, Bob, right? <laughs> I should sell your home, right? You should work with me. And to be honest, one of the biggest clients I will ever have in my entire life. If I told you who it was, you'd say, oh my God, like it, it, the biggest client ever. I met through his partner on March 13th, 2012, the day after that first episode ever aired because they saw the show, thought I was funny, right? And capable and reached out about a small little apartment. And their life has changed rapidly over the last decade. And they've stuck with me ever since. And so there's been moments like that, but the most of the success from the show has come from me picking up the phone and reaching out saying, listen, this is what I do. You need to know me because I was at a firm no one knew. I'm not from New York. I didn't go to the schools here, right? I'm not religious in any like distinct way. But then anyway, fast forward, the show goes for 10 years, which is a long run. And I decide that I want to start my own company. And I had started and I mean, I'm really fast forwarding through things. I wrote my first book, Sell It Like Sirhan in 2018. And then I turned that into a TV show on Bravo called Sell It Like Sirhan. And then I turned that into an online course program, a program for salespeople. So that's selllikesirhan.com. We started that in 2019. Prior to that, I had started a real estate media company that was producing digital media for properties, developers, and real estate agents in 2016. And so the light bulb went off at the end of 2019 and said, hey, we're about to hit a new decade, right? You just built this career with a sales team, you're an agent, TV show, books, all the stuff for the last 10 years. What is 2020 to 2030 look like? And are you going to be the same person? And my biggest fear is wasted potential. So I said, nope, I'm going to blow up my whole life and I am going to kickstart everything in 2020. And I want to start my own company. And I was ready to go March, like finding a lease for our first office, like putting all the systems in process. And then people started getting sick and it became a whole thing. And then I, we had to move to New Hampshire because they were going to shut down the bridges and tunnels during COVID and like zombies were going to attack <laughs> us. I mean, if you remember that time, it was yes, insane. Yes, I like, do. It was, like, it was scary. Yeah, it, especially in New York City. Because in New York, people are scared of their own shadows. You had a virus on top of that and oh my God. Like it, be, it was, there was cops in the streets in riot gear. Right. It was insane. And you had to leave because you talk to any police officer 
and anyone who worked for the, you know, the FDNY, the fire department, you know, anyone at the schools, the minute those people started getting sick, you have martial law, right? So if police officers aren't showing up to work because they're sick or they're quarantined, same thing with the fire department yeah. and all the schools shut down. Now, all those people who have kids in school, they can't go to work. The epicenter of the virus as, you know, for a short period of time there was in Manhattan and it was going to be like a Will Smith movie. Yeah. So we had to get out of there. And so we ran up to New Hampshire, quarantined, grew a beard and worked with my team completely virtually to build the business. We were going to launch in July, but the George Floyd riots and everything happened in, in, oh, the, yeah. in June, uh -huh. which was tragic and insane. And so I was like, you know what? We got to, there's bigger things going on in the world right now than me starting my own business. So we got to wait. And we just set up everything over the summer and we launched in September of 2020. Yes. September 15th, 2020, 12 years to the day from when I got into the business, started yeah. a company yeah. in the middle of COVID in a lockdown New York City. You know, I found it interesting. I heard you talk in another interview about 2020 being the year that you made the least amount of money, but you, you accomplished the most amount of things. You did the most amount of things. Yes. Yes. It was what a wild year. You know, we, I had a really good thing going. I had a sales team of 65 people. I was at a brokerage that took care of everything. I had complete autonomy. I had complete freedom. Life was good. We had the TV show. I was about to drop my second book. You know, I was thinking about what it was going to be and everything. We were, life was great. And apparently that wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> you know, I just like, just think for me, like, okay, so, so, you know, I've now been the number one selling real estate agent in New York City history for multiple years in a row. So now what? Like, what do I do now? Like I climb that mountain, where do I go from here? Do I climb it again and again and again? Okay, great. I gotta do, I gotta take my next step. What's my next step, right? I gotta grow, um, I've gotta build. So the next step is gonna be to build my own company. That sounds terrifying. How do I do that? I have no idea. Let's figure it out and just wing it. You know, I've never been the kind of person just to be too overly nervous or scared. I, I feel like if I stay busy enough, I won't fail, you know? And if I don't, if I don't overanalyze everything and I just move forward and focus on growth and building every day and generating business every single day, things are just going to work out by default. Like just because I'm going to have blinders on, like I'm going to win the race just because I'm not looking left or looking right. Yeah. And I look left. I'm going to get way too nervous, way too anxious, way too, oh my God, oh shit, what, what, what do we do? We spent what, what? And also granted at the time, you know, my major source of income was from selling real estate predominantly in New York City. In March of 2020, that came to a screeching halt. I wasn't even allowed to go outside, right? Every deal we had went into immediate litigation. All the deals I did in 2020. Oh God, yeah. Until the fall. I didn't even think about that were with buyers or basically trying to get out of contracts because yeah. everyone said New York is dead, right? New York's dead. It's over. It's never coming back. We're all going to die. We're all <laughs> and thankfully I had a few longtime clients who are very wealthy for a reason because they see through the chaos and the noise and they came to me in the summer and said, Hey, I think it's probably a good time to buy real estate in New York city, right? I'm like, oh my God, no one's talked to me about that for six months. I think so. I think there's great deals out there. I think it's bloody. You can get things for like 50% off. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Let's go out and just find some opportunistic purchases. And so we did some big deals at the end of 2020 that really like saved me that were really important for us. Well, it's like the stock market, right? Like 
the market goes down, that's a great time to buy where people are bailing out. People start freaking out that their, their investments are going down. I just don't look at them. Just ride it out. And what else can I buy? Yeah. Listen, when things are, yeah, it's, but the problem is when things are bad, they've never been worse. And when things are good, yeah, man, they've never been bad. Yeah. Really good point. And that's the way everyone feels. There's a line from Tommy Lee Jones in Men in Black when he's trying to describe to, you know, Will Smith, why haven't we told the world about aliens, right? And he says, a person is smart. People are stupid. Man, oh man, is that good. And so, you know, and so you see that, like, you know, it's one of the tough things of building a company. Like you can put a ton of really individually smart people in a room. They might build a terrible company because together they are stupid, right? <laughs> so you're kind of piecing things together. And so that's the road that I've been on now, building this business now for the last two and a half years. I've entered year three of, you know, fiscal year three anyway, I guess. But we, you know, we had our, we started hiring our first agents kind of right at the end of 2020, but really January 20. 21 and you know got lucky with some major transactions as the market started to pick up not even in new york though like you know new york was still new york didn't start coming back until the summer ish fall of 2021 mm -hmm. new york no one would touch until there was a vaccine right and the vaccine didn't start rolling out until the spring yeah and you know and then COVID just sort of fizzled away <laughs> and so yeah. but you know where COVID wasn't florida texas yeah and you know where there is much better taxes? Florida. Florida, Texas. Texas. <laughs> and, you know, I, early 2021, you know, someone reached out to me and said, hey, I have a client looking for a rental on the Upper East Side. Can you help? I just saw you started your own firm. It looks really cool. Content to commerce, all this stuff. Like, you know what? I guess I do rentals now again. I started my life over. Let's do it. I'm trying, you know, we were working out of like a basement townhouse in Tribeca. Like, yes, I'll take rentals. You know, it had a big budget, like 20,000, 30, 40,000, 50,000 a month. You know, it was, you know, in New York City, it's a lot of money anywhere. But in New York City, that's, you know, it's still a lot of money. But so I said, okay, I'll help. And I meet this guy. And I'm like, okay, what? Were you looking for rent for what? Are you even going to live here? No, I'm not living here. So what are you renting a massive apartment for in New York City on Upper East Side? I just feel like I need to have a place, like if and when I come back to New York. Okay, you should buy something. If you're spending fifty thousand a month, like I just did a deal on Fifty Seventh Street for fifty one percent off, the bloodiest deal of all time. Why don't we? Why don't you go look at that? Okay, great. Okay, but are you actually going to stay in New York? Well, I don't know. What about Florida? We have lots of clients moving to Florida. Oh, let me think. Talk look at Miami, send them listings in Palm Beach. Okay, let's go take a look at Florida. I think this could be good for us. Okay, when do you want to go look in Florida? A Thursday. It's Tuesday. Right. You, do, you do Palm Beach? <laughs> yes, I do Palm Beach. Absolutely. <laughs> I learned Palm Beach on Wednesday. Flew down there and by Friday had sold them a house for just under $140 million. Most expensive house in the history of Florida at that time. And, and that really kicked off our expansion into you know, Southern markets into what we call our signature division, which is high net worth. And listen, that is an improv moment to go back to the beginning. Of yes. Our, of our talk, right. That was, a, yeah. Do you do Palm beach? Yes. Yes. And 
Yes, and it's exactly what I was thinking as you were telling the story. And I think for our listeners, right, they know that I do a lot of training around this in sales of the yes and it's like stay in that moment of listening to the buyer and then yes. And if you don't know how to do it, go figure it out because you have to be open to the possibilities of if this, then what? Correct. Which is a great story. There are a couple other things that you said that resonated with me that kind of just want to point out. For those listening, again, Ryan mentioned about just picking up the phone and the activity. And even though he was on this TV show that is huge, that is impactful, that gave him a lot of celebrity and branding, he's still picking up the phone and making things happen. Could we talk a little bit about that? Because I know you've got, there's something that you said, I heard you say somewhere um, about when you bring people on, I'll find it because it was a really great quote. Oh, you said, what was what I heard? I want, I want to be afraid every day that they're going to leave me. All right. You want the kind of team that's that good. Yeah. How do they get that good? A lot of it is an innate want and fire, right? I try to also find people that don't come from money who have to make this work. Like those are the people for me. Yeah. That's the way, that's the way it was for me, right? Like I only figured out how to be successful as a real estate agent in New York because I had no other option. Like there was no going home. Like there was no weekends. I like, I don't play golf. Right? I didn't have a vacation and no offense to people who do have comfort and do come from means, but it is much, much harder to motivate yourself that way. Right? Yeah. It's like when you're single, you know, like you're in the gym, you're watching what you eat, right? The minute you're married, you're like, <laughs> I mean, you're here, right? I'll go to the gym next week. Like, I don't need to impress you anymore. So it's just harder to be motivated. Yeah. Right? And so I look for people. You know, I look for B and C students who need to make ends meet. You give me that person, I will make them a millionaire through sales. And as long as they're good people, right? Still got to be a good person. Yeah. To be a good person, you have to understand, you know, skill set wise, you have to be able to speak in sentences. You have to be able to enunciate. You have to be able to write emails correctly. You know, and you have to understand that you're working for the deal at the end of the day. You don't work for the buyer. You don't work for the seller. You don't work for anyone else. You don't even work for yourself. You work for the deal. You're renting something for 500 bucks. You're selling something for 140 million. And so I, I like to surround myself with agents who are hungry and who are good people and hardworking with really strong work ethic and amazing ability of follow-up. Right? We have a follow-up process called the three F's follow up, follow through, follow back that we really kind of practice and preach here. You've got to, because that's where you make all your money. Yeah. It's not in the random people. It's in the follow up with the people that don't respond for five years. And, you know, it's, it's just something that I look for in people that, you know, that, that hunger on the staff side, you know, I want, it's a mixture, right? Because you need, I guess going back to team, sorry, I'm like scattered here, but and that's what we're doing. We're flowing. Yeah. With the types of salespeople, I, you know, I look for two kinds, I guess. I look for workhorses, okay? So these are the people that could be so good they leave, but they'll also do anything, right? They'll run out and show in the rain. They'll pick up the phone at midnight. It's like they're workhorses. They gotta make ends meet. But you have to have a mixture of brand horses as well. Like you do have to have some show ponies. So just to clarify kind of my last comment, you gotta have some people that can help you 
expand into markets and demographics and price points that that you aren't necessarily in. Like me, like you know, at the time building my team, a single white male, right, non-denominational in cowboy boots in New York City. Okay, I want to sell Fifth Avenue co-ops, right? I need a Jewish mom, right? I need a dad on the Upper West Side who plays golf, right? I need an artist who's in the creative sphere. I need somebody who's in the nightlife scene. I can't, I can't stay out till two in the morning. That's not me. That's not going to work for me. I don't even know what I would say to people at two in the morning. I'm super socially awkward, right? I'm an introvert <laughs> at the end of the day. Why do you think I got into acting so I can pretend I, to be other people? Thank you. Did everybody hear that? A lot of us are actually more introverted than you think. Yeah, I didn't want to be, especially growing up. I didn't. I, you know, it was way harder to be myself than it was to pretend to be somebody else. And so, I don't know, that's an issue I'll have to deal with in my midlife crisis, I'm sure. But then I, you know, I, so those workhorses and those brand horses are incredibly important to have that mixture. And you want to surround yourself with people that are better than you. I mean, it's classic, but you just- Yeah. Yeah. What are you, a workhorse or a show pony? I am that rare mix. <laughs> yeah. I am, yeah. I am, I'm probably show pony first because my, my, my day-to-day -day is brand and expand, but I also outwork everybody here, which is also my name on the door and I have the most risk. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I'm going to carry everybody, you know, like there's still that, like we have something called Sirhan signs here for all our agents where like, you know, you enter in all your deals every month, like who's going to win this month? Like who's going to be at the top of the Sirhan sign charts? Like who signed the most contracts? And I still have this like innate fire inside, like, is someone going to beat me? Let somebody win? Like, is that like, am I going to be the dad who like lets my kid win to make them feel good? Because that's not what my dad would have done. Like, my dad would have, but would have 100% like won that every single month. And I would just been, and then one day I got to grow up and beat my dad because guess what? One day I do grow up. One day I will beat my dad. And on that day, I know that it's real. Right. And I, I was raised in a pretty tough environment that way. That was highly critical that as a kid, I, I really resented and was really tough. And none of my friends had to deal with the shit I had to deal with. But all of my friends now either work for me or wish they could work for me. <laughs> and that critical nature, especially when raising kids, not to be mean, but to let them know when they're doing something good and to let them know when they're doing something bad builds a real sense of trust. Yeah, uh, because if everything's good all the time, then you have no sense of identity. You don't know, right? You don't know what you're doing well, what you're doing poorly. You know, yeah, four year old now, she paints something. Like you know what? That's pretty shitty. Okay? <laughs> you need to work on that. These colors. Look at her. She's drawing in the lines. You're not. I don't actually say that, but inside, I'm like, you need to know. You know, I'm uh, once a year, I do a show. I get involved locally in a show. So we just started rehearsals for a show. And I've known the director for a while and, and uh, I've co-directed with him, but he gave the whole speech to the whole team. And we're a huge ensemble and half of us are older and half of us are 20-somethings. And he said, I will tell you if you suck. Yeah. And if your feelings are going to hurt, be hurt, then you shouldn't be here. But I will tell you if you suck. And then we will look at ways for you to get better. Like yes. 
Not everybody can handle that leadership, but I think a lot of people appreciate that. They want to have some level of feedback of just don't just tell me I suck. Tell me how I can do better. Yes. Show me the path. We don't, we only have a few more minutes and I want to touch on, I want to touch on brand because you get asked this a lot. This is your thing. We'll put this in the show notes because you do have a course you've created on personal branding. I get this question a lot on personal branding. We talk about, you're talking about show ponies. Talk just a little bit about building that brand and for salespeople, not in real estate, I see in real estate how important personal brand is because you're your own little revenue profit center. But if you're a salesperson not working in that space and you're building a brand, how do you do that in an organization that has its own brand that might be like, hey, what are you doing with that brand? Because I'm a huge believer in personal brand brings business to the table. 100%. Everyone has a personal brand, whether you know it or not. Now you can be in a business where you can build your own brand with your own name, your own logo, start your own company, right? That's one thing that's product branding. Personal branding is reputation, right? And it all starts with core identity. Who are you to the core? Ask somebody to define you to yourself without using your name. Okay. See what they say and have it be real. You might realize like, well, you're like the awkwardly tall person with funny hair who has bad breath. Super nice though. Doesn't really look anyone in the eye. I guess kind of smart, really likes badminton. And all of a sudden you're going to be like, what? That's not me. I'm a great (laughs) human. What are you talking? Now all of a sudden you're going to realize, okay, how, what is the world's perception of me? Not what do I think of myself, right? And then use that to help inform your core identity. Okay, that core identity, as you understand yourself, then turns into right perception. The perception the world has of you, because now you're talking, right? You're out there. Your people see you. People hear you, right? You've got that core identity, and so the world has a perception of you. Then when you leave the room, you leave the Zoom, you hang up the phone call. Now people talk about you behind your back. Right? They talk about you. Oh, I just had this great call with her and she was so smart. Right? She really knows her stuff and she knew a lot about me. That's it. Okay. Now all of a sudden that perception becomes reputation. Reputation becomes personal brand. Right? And what do you want to be known for? You want to be the one who does what in your company? Say you sell software, right? For Bloomberg. Okay. How, how are you going to be the number one Bloomberg terminal person, salesperson? How do you separate yourself from the pack? How do you gain clients? And how do you get people to know you? The first thing is always going to be information and education. And it's not just about what you're selling. Okay. It's about what everyone else is buying. Why us versus them? And how can I help you with our product better than everybody else? Right? And then it's also understanding that every negotiation, as you build your personal brand and every, and when I say negotiation, I don't just mean doing a deal. I mean, I'm negotiating with you to be my friend. I'm turning a lead into a relationship and not a lead into a contact. Every negotiation. That's really powerful. Did everybody hear that? You're saying that one more time. You're turning a lead into what? You want to turn leads into relationships, leads into contacts. Yeah. Right. People work with relationships. 
why do you think every movie is done with like the same people all the time? Because <laughs> they like each other, you're easy to work with, making movies yeah. is really hard. Yeah. Right? People hate being sold, but they love shopping with friends. Right? Why do you think there's all these gamified shopping websites now where you can like get together, we all buy it, we're gonna get a discount? Like it's changed the way people think about shopping because people hate being sold. They love shopping with friends. And so I don't even know what I was talking about now. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about people, leads versus turning leads into relationships. Oh, yeah, and personal, yeah, and personal brand. Yeah. Is, yes. So you turn those relationships, you know, into potential deals down the line as you work with them and you get to know them, right? And then you're creating those relationships and understanding who these people are, where they're from, what makes them tick, what are their fears, what are their wants, what are their desires? Okay. And then you want to be the go-to. You're the go-to. And then you start generating business. And generating business is generating relationships, generating friendships. And I could talk to you for a hundred hours about it. I know. Would you come back? Do you think you'd come back to this show? Yeah, potentially. I just have to fit it into this schedule. Yeah, no, I know. I, I can, we'll figure that out. But I would love to come, have you come back to the show and do a part two, only because I have to pop onto a sales call in a few minutes. But if, if we could do another version of this, we can, that would be awesome to do an extension on that because I'd love to talk more about the branding piece of it, especially for people not in real estate. Um, yeah, I'd like to, I'd love to keep talking about this, especially about creating content and your thoughts around that. But I will direct people to your course and send that them that information in the show notes. What's sure. next? Courses. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, hand is for all salespeople, whether you're in real estate or you sell cars or you sell software or you sell pens. So it's like Sirhan teaches everyone to sell to sell. And I believe that sales is really the key to unlocking a limitless livelihood. And it is the skill set of the new economy, right? By 2027, 50% of the workforce in the United States alone will be in sales in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Right. You know, and another company that I'm just proud of that I wanted to make sure we talked about for a second is just is Realty Capital. Yes. For yeah. Anyone, thank you. Let's talk about that. There who listening, who is in real estate or you're an agent, a business that I you know, have been a part of for a long time called Realty Capital is, it gives basically holistic success services to real estate agents. So they do commission purchasing. If you wanna get paid tomorrow, instead of in three months when a deal closes or a year when a deal closes, but it's a specialty finance firm for the real estate community. And we offer a massively comprehensive suite of services for agents to really position everyone for long-term success. And it's a one-stop shop for financial health, business strategy, funding, obviously, you know, deals, educational tools, you know, for your taxes, like everything that you need as a real estate agent, all the stuff that we get left with trying to figure out how to do on our own, you can do through Realty Capital and everyone should check it out. Oh, that is so awesome. And you're a part owner of that, correct? Awesome. We'll share that information as well. What's next for Sirhant? Oh man, world domination. <laughs> Growth. Hey, listen, I want to. I want to grow. I want there to be Sirhant sales all over the world, right? I really think that you know we are building something for the future of salespeople, right? What is brokerage 3.0? How do we enable the creators of tomorrow? to help people buy and sell and find their homes. And it's a different world now, right? It's a very different world out there. And like Gen Z, Gen Alpha, right? 
are going to be making major decisions that affect all of us going forward and i want to be there for them so we are expanding Sirhant into a lot of new markets this year which is super exciting and just building building i love it i love it one last question that just came to me before we wrap up how do you balance it all i don't i have a couple of assistants who help me i have a big team who help me you know i'm buried in email just like everybody i'm buried in text messages just like everybody i've got to-do lists on to-do lists just like everybody else i just do the best i can every day and try to try my best yeah to balance but i don't know come back to me on that one okay okay will do it was so awesome having you on the show today thanks for being here thank you for having me Sure. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode of The Women Your Mother Warned You About, brought to you by Sales Gravy. And if you're trying to up-level your game, you might want to check out salesgravy.university, where we have nearly 200 courses live and on demand that will improve your skill set in selling, especially this year. We're out of here. You can check us out at womenyourmotherwarnsyouabout.com or salesgravy.com. And we'll see you next time. 